EcoHealth, your internet radio. Ons is terug, ek is terug hier so met Diederik die Road Trip Show. Hy het vir ons baie kennis oor uh, al die plekke wat hy besoek en wat op sy Road Trip app is. As jylle dit nog nie gesien het nie, gaan na jylle Play Store toe of uh, Apple Store en gaan soek die Road Trip app. Um, hy wees vir jou baie plekke in Zuid-Afrika, 4000 and something and still climbing. Uh, hy word heel tyd geupdate. Um, so ja, gaan kyk geris daarna. Diedrik, ek is so blij jy is weer hier so. En vandag klink het vir my, jy het weer lekker goed om oor te gesels. Ja, yeah, afternoon and hi there all the listeners. Ja, yeah, I, was, I was looking at this last week and last week we seemed to dive quite seriously into some history but I thought to keep it a little bit more light-hearted this week. And uh, we're on Spring Day, to Happy Spring Day to everybody as well. And I thought this week we'd concentrate on animals, animal statues and memorials. South Africans have a love affair with their animals. And uh, we've got some really weird and wonderful and strange monuments that that come to mind. But uh, I think the first one to kick it off, and one of the most famous ones, in fact I was WhatsApping a couple of my mates and one of them actually called it. He said, you're going to start with the monument in P.E., <laughs> uh, the horse memorial in P.E. And I said, right, no, you called it. You called it. <laughs> now, <clears throat> in P.E., there's a beautiful statue there, which is, it's called the horse memorial. And the reason I want to kick off with that one is because of the inscription. The statue is of an English officer at the time of the Anglo-Boer War kneeling down. And he's got like a feed bucket or a water bucket in his hands. And he's looking after his horse. His horse is bent down and the muzzle is just about to go into the feed bucket or the water bucket. Yeah. And the inscription is what really gets you. Because the inscription, the inscription reads, The greatness of a nation consists not so much in the number of its people or the extent of its territory as in the extent and justice of its compassion. Well. Wow. And that I always find quite a moving inscription. And, you know, horses, an example, I mean, man and horses have been together for eons. Yeah. But <laughs> mostly it's a guy on a horse or it's a general on a horse and he's standing there with his sword out or he's in some kind of sort of big macho pose or something. Yes. There's not many statues to horses. Yeah. And this is a statue dedicated to the horses and it's dedicated to the over 300,000 horses that died during the Anglo-Boer War. Sure, that's a lot. That's a lot of horses. Massive Victorian-style army coming into South Africa, Anglo-Boer War style, and it relied on horses. The, the mechanical transport was trains, but the train system wasn't big enough, so everything relied on horse transport. Yes. And every year we still get a reminder of the Anglo-Boer War around Easter time when we get the cosmos flowers next to the road. Yeah. The cosmos flowers are an alien species, an exotic species. They're coming from, as far as I know, Argentina. But they were brought in with a horse feed. Okay. And it came for the horse feed for the Anglo-Boer War. So the flowers got spread on the transport routes and on the main roads. And what happens, of course, now is when the flowers bloom and they throw their seeds out, it gets drawn along the roads in the vortexes behind the vehicles. So it just it's naturally spreading... Flower, I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah. You know, the pink and white flowers, an occasional maroon one along the highways around Easter time. But it's a sort of living memorial, almost like the poppies in Flanders uh, in the World War I battlefields. The poppies always flower in those battlefields. Yes, so yes. we get the poppies in South Africa that flower as a reminder to us of the Anglo-Boer War and those hundreds and thousands of horses that did duty with us. And just, just an interesting one, the British spent... Just over 7 million pounds. Now we're talking 1899, 1902, 1903. 7 million pounds on horses. Just the horses. In the just the horses. <laughs> <laughs> Even today, that's, that's wow. a sizable amount of money. That is, yeah. But yeah, if we keep on looking at horses, I mean, and one, one that I love is one of the very, very first happenings really 1773 we're talking the days of the voc is volrad voltemara 
Hello. Oh, how many people? As you can see, the little <laughs> lights going on. Everyone going, oh, my history lesson, my history lesson. Vorad Voltamara. It's coming back to me now. <laughs> There's a song to think of. <laughs> and somehow we, we also remember the animals. Most, most statues is just the guy and his horse doing something. And pe- people forget the name of the horses. Yes. But uh, Vorad Voltamara went and rescued people off a, bra- off a ship breaking up just off the, I think it was Salt River, there, very yeah. close to Cape Town. Yes. A ship was breaking up and a whole, lot, a whole gaggle of people had assembled on the beach to watch. Not to go and rescue, but they were hoping for caskets and things to be salvaged and go steal it off the beach and not worry about the people, people drowning. Yeah. And an interesting little aside is that Voltamara's son was actually a soldier on the beach that day guarding and trying to stop people looting. Voltemara, <laughs> Volrad was on his way somewhere and he saw this happening and he rode down onto the beach and he realized that uh, the people on the ship needed help so he went on his horse and the horse was called Funk. Funk, Funk yes. horse. <laughs> and he managed to make it seven times. Seven times he got out to the ship. He managed to get two people hanging on the saddlebags, turned around, went back to the beach seven times. He managed it so he rescued 14 people in total off the ship called the Jonge Thomas. Yes. And uh, on the eighth trip, he never made it back. He drowned with his horse. His body was recovered. His horse was never recovered. Yeah, but that's, that's sad. There's statues sad. to him in Cape Town, and they're, they're quite dramatic. I mean, there's very you know the horse in the waves with him on it. Yeah, and yeah. there's there's two statues of him in Cape Town, but I think he's best remembered um, by what we call the Volrad Voltamata Medal, which is a bravery medal. Yeah, for uh, citizens. Who acts of acts of bravery? Guys landing helicopters on burning ships. Um, yeah, there was yeah. there were some school kids once. There was a massive bus accident, for example, in Henley on Clip, where a bus got stuck on the railway crossing, and the one kid managed to get all the kids out the back of the window, but he he died in the accident afterwards. So the Volrad Voltamata and Volrad Voltamata is was commemorated by the Voltamata Medal, yeah. as well. Yes, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, I must tell the people something quickly before we move on. Yo, um, we are thinking of doing a competition on these shows where there is going to be some inconsistencies in dates. And uh, yeah, uh, there's prizes to be won. Um, so, yeah. Next week, uh, we'll confirm this with you. On Salfiela Alice, Jelle can prize win. It's all in the Pirate Eco Health geschenk pack. Wees van verschillende producten. So ja, luister in ons wil net al daai goed finaliseer. Want ons het al klaar een paar goedies gepland vir julle wat gaan opkom. En dan ons sal julle volgende week laat weet wat gaan gebeur met daai ene. Okay. Are we going to listen to a bit of music before we continue, or shall we move on? I think let's listen to a little bit of music first. I think that. Let's do that. (laughs) I've got a nice uh, 70s, 60s, and 80s playlist here. I wonder what I should have played this one this morning, actually. But in any case, here we go. Divers December van Earth, Wind and Fire. Ek en Diederik gesels nou so in die breek oor a song wat hy jarelaas gehoor het, Nelly the Elephant. Maar ons gaan om nou nou vir julle speel. (laughs) I am going to play it because I can't remember how it goes. I would like to hear it again. Yeah, Um, no, we've got got elephant statues as well. (laughs) But it was... when I threw this out on, on my website and on my WhatsApps and on, on a couple of my groups, immediately the people come back, obviously the, 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 the well-known ones. Jock, Jock of the Bushveld obviously comes oh, yeah. out. Of course, yes. Um, of just course, Nuisance yes. comes out. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll, cover, we'll, cover, we'll cover those two a little bit later. I mean, those are obviously two of our most, most famous animals. Famous, yeah. But not, not so much a statue, but a, a, an interesting animal character. Yeah was from the early 19 or the late 1920s, 1928, a hippo decided that St. Lucia was not a lack of place, <laughs> packed its bags and started walking. 
and it became quite a kind of a, a media sensation. And no one knows why this hippo decided to start walking, but they christened the the hippo Hubert, Hubert <laughs> the hippo, and Hubert the hippo started walking from Saint Lucia, and travelled all the way down through Durban. It woke up one morning of panic, panic and mayhem on the Durban beach because Hubert the hippo was now sleeping on the beach. <laughs> At some stage, Hubert the hippo took refuge in like a pond or something in a monastery. It stopped the trains on the south coast tracks because it fell asleep on the railway tracks as well for a while. Oh, dear. Uh, so <laughs> Hubert the hippo <laughs> carried on its meanderings. And it became like a whole media thing in the newspaper character for like three years. Yeah. And eventually... Unfortunately, the hippo, Hubert, had been classified as royal game by, I think at that stage, the, 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 the Natal Royal Game Commission or whatever the Nature Conservation Organization was at that stage. And royal game meant that it was seriously protected, not, not untouchable. Yeah. And it yeah. became this media sensation. But then eventually, in 1931, somewhere down near King Williamstown, some farmers actually shot Hubert the hippo. They got into a lot of trouble for it. They actually tried to hide their crime by throwing their rifles in the river to hide that it was them. Oh, but no. uh, <laughs> they managed to, they managed to um, convict these guys, and they all got fined. They didn't go to jail, but they got fined for shooting Hubert. But Hubert was then discovered yeah. to be a female. So they quickly changed the name to Huberta. <laughs> and Huberta, Huberta the, the hippo, got sent off to a taxidermist and uh, came back to South Africa and is now the star attraction in the museum in King Williamstown. Okay. So you can go in. There's a beautiful little museum, a lot of nature, nature-orientated stuff in, in that museum. And uh, Hubert's, Huberta, the hippo, <laughs> is the star attraction, and she's still stand, standing there. I wonder how far that hippo traveled. Well, from St. Lucia down to King Williamstown, that's what, about 1,200 kilometers, 1,600 kilometers, if not even more? She was... 1,000 miles or something, yeah. She just decided, listen, yeah, I want to go my own way. I don't like this place. I'm going to find another spot. Yeah, I'm out of here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm out of here. So there's there's no real statues or memorials to Huberta, but uh, she's, like, like I said, she's standing there in the museum in King Williamstown. Yeah. And I, that, that story's always just appealed to me, that she caused chaos and mayhem wherever she went. Yeah. And, I mean, even today when you visit St. Lucia, uh, there's, there's warning signs up that at night particularly don't go walking in the streets because hippos literally walk down the main street yeah. in St. Lucia at night. And, they, and there's some lovely photographs. You join the Facebook groups in St. Lucia. There's photographs of the hippo walking through the petrol station and uh, yeah, <laughs> in the middle of the night. And then there's the walking down the street. And then there's chaos and mayhem in a restaurant as all the people on the pavement disappear as the hippo comes wandering past. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if you ever get a chance in St. Lucia, a stunning little spot to visit. <laughs> and that was the starting point, apparently, where Huberta started her travels. Oh, wonderful. Then obviously some uh, more, our love affair with dogs, of course. South Africans are dog people. There's a couple of cat statues. We'll chat about the cat statues. But the dogs, dogs seem to hold pride of place. Obviously, Jock. Yeah, yeah. Percy Fitzpatrick's dog, dog made famous in that, in that story, Jock of the Bushveld, that was published around, I think, 1907. And it's a beautiful story. I mean, and it really gives a nice history of that area. I mean, that's way before the Kruger Park... Um, was proclaimed the story of Jock. Yes. And Fitzpatrick was at that stage what they called a transport rider. So his job was to actually buy ox wagon, pick up supplies in what was then Lorenzo Marx, now Maputo. And then with his oxen and his ox wagon would actually ply the trade up through the, what's now the Southern Kruger Park and then go up the escarpment um, through, through areas now known as sort of Graskop. And then from Graskop down through to Leidenberg, Mac Mac, Pilgrim's Rest, because those were all yeah, very yeah. heavily active areas in that in, in that stage at that stage because that, that gold had been discovered. So yeah. a lot of a lot of um, shops and little mining towns and things that had, had popped up. And Jock of the Bushveld is the magic story of Jock with and his adventures with Percy on those on those roads. And you drive that area. I mean, in Kruger Park, what's still called the Fort Trekker Road is the road that runs from um, Pretorius Corp down to Afsal. Beautiful, okay. beautiful dirt road. It's called the Fortrecker Road. 
And at the start of the, at each corner, at, the, at the both intersections, there's little statues and memorials to Jock. Um, Jock's birthplace is on that road as well. You can actually visit the, the, the birthplace. That whole road has got a, a good couple of historical sites of old battles and of people dying and born in an ox wagon outspan areas on okay. what's called the old Fortrecker Road. Awesome. But when you drive around that low felt or that escarpment area, there's memorials to Jock everywhere. I think there's something like 27 memorials to Jock spread all around, right from Barberton right up through Leidenberg, that whole area. Jeez. And it's just, it's just great. You know, you, you can read this book and you can read these stories of Jock and the battle that he had with a, with a, with a, with a sable antelope. In fact, Jock the Bushveld camp in, in Kruger has got a fantastic statue of Jock tackling a sable antelope. You know, now you've got a little dog the size of a staffy, probably somewhere around yeah. Staffordshire Bull Terrier size, now tackling like a one-ton antelope. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> those are just... Yeah, just just really cool statues. But unfortunately, Jock eventually lost a, well, not lost a battle, but got kicked in the head by a kuru, and that made him deaf. So yeah. the last couple of years of his life, unfortunately, was he, he was deaf, and he was actually shot by accident because Fitzpatrick had given him to a buddy to look after because Fitzpatrick had moved into town and Jock was miserable. Yeah, and he gave him to a buddy, and Jock actually died by being shot by accident. Um, protecting the guy's chickens. So the guy was standing in the farmhouse. He saw this commotion in the chicken coop, saw a dog, thinking that the dog was killing his chickens, but shot Jock. And Jock had already, at that stage, sorted out the intruder. Okay. So that's a kind of a sad story. But I mean, yeah. if you look at the, if you read the whole history of, um, of Jock, I mean, that he, had a, he had a life that very few dogs today actually get. Yeah, yeah. Mm. No, definitely. I know there's a lot of guys that they take their dogs everywhere, um, especially the one guy that I knew uh, on a farm. Uh, he went into town everywhere with with his owner. And they just gallivant, and the people know them everywhere. Uh, they just invite him in. Come, it's fine. We know you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the other the other section in Kruger that very few people actually know about is a little section in Skakuza, the main camp. Now, Skakuza doesn't hold much appeal to me. It's way too big, way too busy, and uh, you seem to lose a bit of the atmosphere in Kruger. You know, if you get one of the huts in Kruger, you're in the third or fourth row, and you've got no view of the river. You're staring yeah. at the back pipes of the guys in front of you, and it's noisy and stuff. So is yeah. not my favorite place, but Skakuza's got a fantastic library, in the library is the is sort of the mementos of Harry Voliter. Now, Voliter was famous for that lion incident where the lions took him off his horse oh, while yeah. he was on patrol, and he managed to stab the one lion. I mean, this lion's busy chewing on his shoulder, and yeah. uh, he manages to reach across his belt and he picks he takes out a little handmade knife, and they've got yeah. the knife up on the wall there, and he manages to stab this lion and kills the lion. But now he's got. His one shoulder is just about gone. But he sure. still manages to climb him, climb his way up a tree. And he uses his belt to... He undoes his belt and then he fastens the belt around the tree so that he doesn't fall out oh, when yeah. he faints from loss of blood because the lions are now patrolling down underneath his tree, still trying, yeah. to, still yeah. trying to get him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the story there is also... He also had a dog with him. Oh, yeah. And his dog was called Bull. Yes. And uh, in his, in his mem um, memories, he, he actually writes that his dog spent the entire night barking and harassing these lions, trying to keep them away from him in this tree. Yeah. But to get back into, into Skakuza, so in the library in Skakuza, if you go to Skakuza, you've got to walk into that library. It's got, normally got a photographic exhibition or it's got some kind of show in it. The library itself is just stunning. There's like a little mini part of the library is a museum with a couple of interesting bits and pieces about the history. But just outside the library is a little area called the Little Heroes Acre. Oh, yeah, I've heard about that. The Little Heroes Acre, and that is the dog cemetery for Kruger. And the wardens and the game rangers' dogs are buried in the Little Heroes Acre. Okay. So you've got Volata's dog, Bull, that's buried there. You've got... Um, 
Colonel James Stevens Hamilton, the first warden, the, the, who's the guy who's regarded as the sort of the father of the Kruger Park. Oh, yeah. His dog, Bliss, is buried there. Okay. And it's, it, it's kind of cool to just walk in there and sort of see the, the bond or the, the reverence that people have for their dogs. I mean, and those dogs are like you said, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the life companions that go with them everywhere. And those are the days when the guys were on horseback. Yeah. So you're doing your patrol on horseback and your little doggies now sitting next to you, happily traveling around with you. Yeah. At night you're sleeping <laughs> under the stars out in the open somewhere and, and the doggy is your, is, is your alarm system and your protector. Yes, yes. So the little hero's acre is definitely um, worth, worth visiting. And I don't know the, the entire story, but there's a dog there also called Milo. Okay. And uh, his inscription is a very, very simple little inscription. He says, survived eight amphesies. Now, amphesies are Mozambique spitting cobras. Ooh. So he survived eight encounters or bites with, with cobras. Jeez. He survived like. a crocodile attack. He managed to survive a crocodile attack. But the last one is kind of sad. And it says something like, did not survive one leopard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. old, uh, Milo, Milo didn't make his last, his last big fight there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see, that would be interesting if we can uh, find some more information on that one. Um, no, I don't, but it's interesting, just um, like the one place that we went uh, down in Cape Town, uh, the Zerist area. Now, there's a tractor trip that you go up the mountain. I think I did tell you about it at some mm. point. Um, yeah, so, he, and that guy also had a dog, and then... He runs in front of the tractor up and down, and he goes everywhere. And that was also very, very beautiful to see as well. And, uh, yeah. But I think it's time for Nelly the Elephant. <laughs> ah, <love it. laughs> I, I can't resist. I have to hear that song. <laughs> Okay, now that we played an elephant song, I suppose we need to talk about that elephant you spoke of. Yeah, I know you you you're racing you're racing ahead of schedule yeah, but we've 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 got elephants on the on 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 the program. On the horizon. We've okay. got elephants on the horizon here. Okay. But we're still on a road trip, we're still stuck in Kruger. Okay, in let's fact, okay, we're talking about Kruger, then we might as well go go and talk about elephants in Kruger and come back to dogs down dogs in Cape Town and stuff later again. But, Weed shaver. Uh, <laughs> 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 but when you talk about elephants We've actually got an elephant statue. We've got a beautiful, beautiful elephant statue in the camp called Lataba in the Kruger Park. And uh, it's a massive bronze statue outside what they actually call the Elephant Museum. Okay. And, <coughs> again, if you're visiting Kruger in Lataba and you go into that Elephant Museum, and it's a tribute to the big tuskers of Kruger. And at one stage, at the time of Harry Volata, elephants were actually extinct in the park. And Volata, um, and we're now talking, wow, that we're talking 1920s, recorded the first elephants moving back into Kruger from what was then Portuguese East Africa or what now Mozambique. Okay. And because of the hunting, the hunters obviously take out the big tuskers. So the genetic pool of the big tuskers got less and less and less. Yeah. Yeah. And for a long time, that was an issue. And even at the time when Kruger was actively culling elephants, now that's a, that's a whole story on its own. They did it, and we're not going to get into discussion of the, of the pros and cons of culling because that becomes quite emotional. Yeah. But <laughs> when they were doing the culling, if a big tusker was with one of the herds that they were targeting, they would not target, they would, not, they would pass that one so that the gene pool would grow again so that they would get the big tuskers back. And... In that elephant hall, they've actually got what they call the Magnificent Seven. And they would track these big tuskers, and they knew a lot about them. A lot of them had radio collars on, so they knew their home ranges, and they would, you know, they, could, they knew where to find them. Yeah. And yeah. when the radio collar stopped transmitting for a while, they'd actually actively go and 
try and find to look for them yeah. to go and look for them and and when they discovered that they had passed on they would recover the they would recover the skull and the tusks and send them off and and now those 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 elephants are mounted in in that museum yeah and i've been lucky enough on one or two of my trips to crew to come across some of these huge tuskers and i remember bumping into one of them who was called chokwan and i mean a magnificent animal and he when he walked he actually had to hold his head like a little bit up you know normally you can see an elephant yeah, the head yeah. is like level and it's all cool yeah. but he actually had to physically walk with his head up or his tusks would actually dig into the soil in front of him that's how wow. long his tusks were they must have been massive huge. absolutely massive and in the hall, you've got the you've got the ones like Shingwezi, you've got Zombo, you've got Chihuahua, um, you've got Mafunyan. One of the, he was one of the more famous ones. Mafunyan had what they suspected to be a bullet hole in the top of his skull. Okay. And it didn't cause him any harm, or not that they could know that they knew of. And I think once when they actually managed to dart him to examine him, he he almost actually it seemed like he was breathing. Through that through hole, that so somehow the hole had gone through to his nasal cavity. Oh my word! Okay, <laughs> but also absolutely magnificent animals, and I mean these tusks. You're looking at 100, 120, 130 kilos of ivory per side. Wow! Visiting, and so yeah, elephant statue. Nelly the elephant, not quite the same. She was a circus elephant in England, so apparently, but uh, the <laughs> magnificent seven. If you go into Kruger, the camp of Lataba. You've actually got to go and spend an hour or two in there. And there's a whole display about the biology of the elephants, the poaching issues that they've got, um, the life cycle of elephants. The whole thing is in there. And then the other side of the hall is these mounted um, head mounts of these beautiful, beautiful animals. Now, I wonder if this bullet hole, if he can breathe through it, if he sucks up water, if he can spurt it like a whale. Uh, that I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> that just crossed my mind now. I thought, <laughs> okay. But then the, other, the, only other elef- the only other elephant statue that I know of is a rather sad-looking little concrete elephant in a little town called Olifant's Hook. Oh, out I've far, heard of far Kalahari direction. Yeah. There's a little town there called Olifant's Hook. And you actually wonder how it got its name. Because, I mean, you're talking Kalahari. It's not exactly ideal elephant territory. But yeah. somewhere along the line in history, there must have been elephants there. And when you think about it, elephants are up in the Coco land, the desert elephants in what is now Namibia, etc. So yeah. elephants more than likely were there at some stage. Little town called Olifantshoek. But they've, somebody created a, a little concrete elephant in the middle of town. It's a little bit of a sad-looking elephant. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but he's there. But so he's there. they didn't put in a lot of effort. Well, I think making, <laughs> making an elephant out of, out, of, out of paper mache or concrete on a little wire frame or something takes a little bit of artistry. Yeah. But uh, you can check the, pr- the proportions aren't quite lacquer, but it's, but it's still an elephant. <laughs> and it's, it's always worth stopping in Olifant's Hook because just over the road is one of the best biltong shops that I know. So in Olifant's Hook, stop, stop, look at the elephant, go across the road and buy your biltong for the rest of the trip to the Kalahari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no mark in my necklace. But yeah, so they're, they're, that's elephants. But I think we need, we need to get back to the dogs. Yes, yes. And there's also in, in Oatswin, there's a very, very cool little statue commemorating all the police dogs. Oh, yeah. Oatswin has, has a sizable police station in the middle of town. And just outside the on the on the pavement is a police policeman SAP guy with his German Shepherd. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's a, again, that's just a tribute on exactly how these dogs help us. I mean, we've all seen the police dogs. Yeah, yeah. And during my military service many many moons ago, I was lucky enough to be working with with the dog unit at that stage. Yeah, and I was. Uh, yeah, I was. Sorry to mm. interrupt now. Um, uh, while you said that now, there was something on Pierre at Eco, uh, Pierre at Dierigezondheid Animal Health. There was uh, a police dog that got shot uh, about two two months ago or something like that. I would wonder what happened to that dog. I must actually see if I can find out anything about that police dog that got injured. No, no, but the dogs, the dogs were amazing. I mean, you had the tracker dogs, you had the guard dogs, you had the patrol dogs. You had the pack dogs, attack dogs, and 
at that at that stage, I was up in Namibia or Southwest Africa at one of the satellite units. Berksluck was the main dog school. Berksluck, um, well, actually, quite fittingly enough, right close to where Jog was operating, Berksluck Potholes was the main dog school. Yeah, okay. But up in Namibia, and, and there was at one stage, they actually brought in a wolf and crossed a wolf with a German Shepherd. Oh, and they had one <laughs> of the, one of these in the in the cages, and this was a this was a crazy animal. Beautiful, I mean, set upright, but massive yellow eyes. You could see him looking at you, sort of evaluating you on fat <laughs> content and juiciness. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And there's like one or two guys in the entire unit could handle him. Everybody else gave their hands off that dog. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that sounds quite scary, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, 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 that was some scary stuff. Let's keep going with the dogs. We all know Donnie Craven. Yeah, yeah. The name Donnie Craven, Springbok rugby player, administrator of the rugby board for many, many years. He's got a statue up in Stellenbosch. Stellenbosch okay. was his alma mater. And he's got a statue, but his statue's with his dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got nothing to do with rugby. Got nothing to do with rugby, but his, his statue is sitting there with his dog. And he, he called his dog Blixem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, so there's even a Blixem statue in South Africa uh, down, down in Stellenbosch. Okay. But then I think we, we, you, we have to mention probably our most famous dog, which is Just Nuisance. Just Nuisance. Just Nuisance. Statue of Just Nuisance in Simonstown. Simonstown's got a couple of really interesting statues. Simonstown yeah. Naval Base. Now, Simonstown's also the training base for our Navy combat divers. There's also a statue to the Navy divers at the end of the pier. Uh, in Simonstown, and I know I've, I've known a couple of these Navy divers, and those guys are half fish. It's unbelievable what those guys <laughs> actually have to do in that cold water. Yeah. But uh, just nuisance is standing there in the main parking area overlooking the harbour, and just nuisance holds the honour of um, being the only dog ever to be officially enlisted in the Royal Navy. Yes, yes. <laughs> he actually had a rank. He was an able seaman. Okay. <laughs> he never yes. went to sea, but yeah. his name came from the fact that he used to meander around town and he just liked going up the gangplank and lying at the top of the gangplank, making it very difficult to get off and on the, the ships. Yeah. So yeah. that's how he got his name, Nuisance, because it was a nuisance <laughs> to get on and off the boats. And, or ships, sorry, my Navy buddies will, 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 hit, will hit me if I call them a boat. Yeah. On and off the ships. <laughs> and uh, that's where he got his name. And slowly but surely, he sort of got adopted by the, by the Navy personnel. The Navy personnel adopted him. And he would often sit and ride the trains. He would go from Simonstown, he'd ride the train into Cape Town. <laughs> and the conductors... In those days, and remember the days of train conductors and bus conductors, these guys were very, very prim and proper and stuck to the rules and no animals were allowed on the trains. Yes, yes. So they would often throw the dog off the train at a station somewhere. Not a problem to just nuisance. He'd just park on the, on the platform, wait for the next train, hop on the next train and carry on. <laughs> 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 but because he was, he was becoming big mates with a lot of the Navy personnel, yeah. eventually they petitioned... Um, because the, the, the railways were threatening to actually have him put down. Oh, no. Yeah. And they actually petitioned, and a whole lot of paperwork later, he got officially enlisted in the Royal Navy. And because of that, he got a free rail pass. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, they, then they couldn't do anything <laughs> about it. <laughs> so they, they, <laughs> That's just awesome. They then had to um, allow him on the trains. So... <laughs> You know, and he just became a, he just became a complete character, and obviously a huge morale booster yeah. during during World World War Two. Um, and his name was actually Nuisance, but the name Just Nuisance came from his official enrollment form because in the enrollment form you have to have a first name and a surname. Okay. So his surname was Nuisance, <laughs> and the the guy doing the enrolling, the captain was well, we got to give him a first name, so we'll go to Just. So that's, that's how he got his name, um, just nuisance. Now, I mean, he was a he was a huge dog. I mean, he was a big even for a Great Dane. They, you know, he he would stand something like six foot six on his back legs. 
Wow. So he was a he was a massive massive dog. Must but yeah, so huge. he would just accompany the sailors. He would escort them back to base. He loved going into the pubs. Um, he would sit with the navy guys in the pubs in and around Simonstown. Yeah, he he did get into a lot of trouble. Um, on his record, um, he's got travelling on train without his free pass. <laughs> he was absent without leave a couple of times. Oh my word! He lost his collar, so that's <laughs> officially losing kit. Oh yeah. Um, he refused to leave pubs at closing time. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the sentences he got was like having all his bones removed for seven days for sleeping in an improper place. He, he took over a bed of one of the petty officers, and the petty officer was not yeah. happy with this because it's kind of hard to move a 100-kilo Great Dane out of your bed. Yeah, so an official yeah. complaint was lodged, and he got into trouble for that. But, uh, and he also unfortunately fought with a couple of the other mascots of ships that would come into Simonstown at that stage and unfortunately massive dog fights and one or, and one or two of those um, actually resulted in him killing one or two of the other mascots. So his record yeah. wasn't completely clean, yeah. but he was one heck of a character <laughs> and uh, his statue is there in the parking place in Simonstown and eventually he was involved in a car accident. He got thrombosis and it caused a bit of paralysis and in 1944... Um, he was actually put down because it was obviously just getting a little bit too much. But he was yeah, yeah. buried. He was buried with a full military funeral. Royal Navy, white ensign, ensign was put over his over his casket, gun salute, last yes. post, and he's buried in Simonstown. There's a little naval cemetery up up the hill. When you're driving out of Simonstown towards Cape Town, yeah. you go past, you got the gun emplacements on the on the right hand side. And up on the hill on the left-hand side is what they call it, Claver, Claver Camp. Yeah. And Just Nuisance is buried up there. Okay. But one of the, well, he's one of our great doggy, doggy characters. And yeah. there's still books to him. And you go, in, you go into Simonstown, there's all sorts of things named after Just Nuisance. And there's booklets and pamphlets and all sorts of stuff uh, <laughs> yeah. about, about old Just Nuisance. And apparently, uh, up until a little while ago, I don't know if it's obviously happened now with, with, um, with COVID, but there was an annual Great Dane parade held in oh. Simonstown for a Just Nuisance lookalike. Okay, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I was there, yes, but I think I was 12, 13, around there uh, when nah, we but, went there. But he, he's, he's cool. Like, just, just Nuisance is cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he sounds like a cool, cool Great Dane. Cool Great dude. Dane. He's a cool Great Dane. <laughs> With all his travels on the trains and uh, the pubs, uh, yeah, that must have been uh, quite interesting. But we also, on an, on another couple of couple of weird ones, we've got some rather weird and wonderful statues as well. We've got an owl statue. Owl statue. An owl statue. In fact, we've got several owl statues. Okay. And we've got a two-meter owl in Pretoria. Two meter. A two meter high owl made by, let me just check here, by Anton von Vaux. Anton von Vaux, the best and most famous sculptor we have actually made this owl statue. There's very little history about it. But when you stand in Church Square, Pretoria Church Square, beautiful spot, and there's a little cafe on the corner um, called Cafe Riche. Okay. Now, I love sitting in that place because you're right on the corner. You're watching all the traffic. You're watching all the goings on outside. On the walls, there's old pictures of the British troops invading Pretoria, occupying Pretoria from the Anglo-Boer War. Okay. You're sitting in one of the most historical buildings in Pretoria Church Square, surrounded by some of the most majestic yeah. and magnificent buildings. The old Ratsal is there. The post office is there. The old um, Nederlandse Bank is yeah. there. And if you take a little bit of a distance away from it, you look at those buildings, it's exactly the Dutch gables. If you see a picture of Amsterdam with a canal and little Dutch gable houses, yeah, yeah. it's exactly what you got on Church Square, showing that old, that old history. Yeah. And parked on top of this, for whatever reason, Anton van Vaux decided to put an owl. He's got a <laughs> two-meter owl on top, of, on top of the building in Church Square. Okay. <laughs> so there's no particular reason no for it. No particular just reason for it. We haven't, we haven't been able to find the reason for it. But there's an owl in Church Square. Okay. 
The owls, another interesting spot with owls is the Owl House in New Bethesda. Okay. I don't know if you know about that place. Uh, no. It is, it's a house of a lady by the name of um, Helen Martins. Now, New Bethesda is a real tiny little Kuru Dorpy. And it's on the bottom end of really small little dirt roads. Okay. And um, the first time I made it there, it was on a, it was on a coach tour itinerary that, that we had. And suddenly New Bethesda pops in on the itinerary. Someone in Holland decides that they've got to get this coach load down, to, down <laughs> into New Bethesda. Okay. And my coach driver that stage, and it's a, a lady coach driver, one of the best drivers I've ever, I've ever had the privilege of, of, of working with. She was absolutely brilliant. Okay. She says to me, Diedrich, are you sure? I say, I don't know. I've got no clue. I've never been down this road before. Let's go. <laughs> now, we're in a great big 45-seater double-axle, double-back-axle luxury coach. Yeah, yeah. And now she takes this coach off down this little road. And literally, a couple of the corners over the little cloofies and little streams and things. But we get into New Bethesda, and we visit the Owl House. And it's, it's an amazing spot. This lady... Obviously, very, very artistic, but the entire house is full of stained glass, and the main theme of this entire thing is owls, owls and camels. Okay. She's got owls and camels everywhere. She spent almost every literally waking moment making statues of owls. they made out of concrete, and they're made out of all sorts of weird things. The whole, the whole yeah. garden and everything is just little statues everywhere, little pieces of glass and colored light coming in everywhere, the whole house. Okay. That um, must be awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it, it, again, that's a definitely a spot to visit. Uh, but, again, fascinating. And, and no one, again, no one's exactly quite sure why owls and camels. <laughs> but, but she eventually wound up committing suicide. Um, I think it was by drinking drain, drain cleaner or something. So, obviously, quite a disturbed... Yeah, a disturbed lady, but definitely worth a visit if ever you're down the Karoo area, get into New Bethesda, and visit the Owl House. And oh, and that just brings it brings to mind a fantastic story with that lady coach driver. I met her for the first time, and uh, I think on that particular tour, our first stop was Bloemfontein. I think it was the first time I'd worked with her. Because yeah, as, a, as a tour guide, you get given an itinerary and you yes. get given the tourists and you're just there to make sure the tour happens and talk and carry on and explain everything. Yeah. So yeah. the first night, I think, was Bloemfontein. So we do some of the places in Bloem. Mm-hmm. Bloemfontein's a whole story on its own, some magnificent spots to visit in Bloem. But we were staying at the City Lodge. Now, the City Lodge doesn't have dinner, but it's right over the road from one of the big malls in Bloemfontein. Yeah. So we chat to the clients and the clients are let loose to go and find their own restaurants and things. And myself and, this, and, the, and, the, and the driver sit down, and uh, we, we, we wind up in the spur, and we just we, we clicked. We chatted and talked and talked and chatted and talked. So we have our dinner, and eventually we get stuck into the Irish coffees, and the night carries on, and it carries on, and it carries on, and there's more and more Irish coffees coming. <laughs> and the Irish coffees came with a little chocolate. Oh, yeah. You got like, like a little peppermint chocolate with the Irish coffees. Yeah. And... The waitress that we had was obviously a, 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 she was a student. Yes. Uh, well, obviously a student, very young, very helpful, <laughs> super nicely organized. Everything was cool. Lovely evening. And eventually we wind up with the last people in, in, in the spur. And eventually she comes to us and says, well, please, you know, guys, it's like time now. And, you know, you're the last people. Oh, sorry, sorry. And we didn't even notice. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. Yeah, no, bring us the bill. All cool. And you can see she goes back to the, back to the cashier. And there's a big, long discussion going on at the back there. And eventually, he comes back to the table very embarrassed. And we go, yeah? He says, please, can I count your chocolates? Because I don't know how to bill you. <laughs> We've lost count of the, of the Irish <laughs> coffees that you've taken. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> can I count your chocolates? So they count the chocolates to eventually make up the bill. <laughs> oh, that is excellent. But that, that story stayed with us. Stay with us forever. But we're going to get back to the owls. And there's one other interesting little owl statue in that in the old days, the owl was the beret symbol of our military intelligence corps. Oh, yeah. You know, the little wise owl. I mean, I know military intelligence sounds like a bit of an oxymoron sometimes. Uh, (laughs) The two don't really belong together. But 
There's actually a military intelligence corps statue memorial in the grounds of the Footrick Monument. And also, obviously, with the little badge of an owl on it. Yeah. And I also thought that, that that's kind of cool. You don't you don't just see owls anywhere, but South Africa, like we've got 11 language monuments, wind up with the, with the, with the whole gaggle of little owl statues <laughs> all, all over the place. <laughs> oh, wonderful, wonderful. Only in South Africa. Um, I think we're quickly going to listen to a song. And uh, I see, yes, this owl has gone bye-bye again. <laughs> oh my word, yeah, look at that. Oh no, that's disappointing. Okay, ons is nou weer terug, jylle luister hier na Radio Eco Health, en uh, ja, ons gaan graag so een stikkie muziek vir jylle speel. Daar sê, ons is weer terug. Is een bykie daarna Elton John geluister. Jylle luister hier na Radio Eco Health en ons is op die roadtrip show saam met Diedrik. En hy vertel vir ons net lekker stories. Diedrik, uh, let's carry on. Where are we going now? We've got, we've got a camel statue in South Africa. A camel. camel? Camel. Okay. As in proper camel. That's an interesting one. <laughs> Uppington. <laughs> Uppington is a town full of little surprises. Beautiful, beautiful little town on the banks of the Orange Gariep River. And it's, I, I've always enjoyed staying in Uppington. You stay, if you're in a little lodge or something on the river, it is so peaceful. That massive river flowing down past you. And um, Uppington, strangely enough, lots of, lots of grape production. Strange, it doesn't sound right, but there's vineyards all over Uppington. Lots yeah. of fruit because it's hot. And the, the grapes there are often processed into raisins. You see big concrete slabs all over the place for the drying out of the fruit. Yeah. So lots of agriculture along uh, along the river. But there's a donkey statue. A Next, donkey. Ne- a donkey statue. There's a donkey <laughs> statue in Uppington and there's a camel statue in Uppington. And the camel statue, for a while, just like in Oatsburg with the, the police with the dogs, there was a police contingent that rode camels. Okay. The Desert Patrol. <laughs> desert Patrol. Yeah, the Desert Patrol. Okay. It makes complete sense to use camels. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've ever been on a camel, but it is the most horrendous animal ever to sit on. You get seasick on that damn thing. <laughs> so the, the sort of the ship of the desert is, is actually the correct word for it. It's the most horrendous motion sitting on this camel because the thing that does like a figure of eight with a sway. So, yeah, <laughs> I've, I've, I've been on one. <laughs> I've been on one. <laughs> It's a terrible animal to ride, but there's there's a camel statue outside the police station in Uppington to honor the policeman who did the desert patrol and obviously yeah, the border security yeah. around there. There's the donkey statue in Uppington uh, next to the Uppington Museum. Again, it's worth going into that museum. There's an old church there, which is now part of the museum. And the museum itself, last time I was in there, was looking a little bit old and dusty, but very, very nice historical displays about the development of Uppington and a very good um, interpretive display on the San people who originally inhabited the entire area there. Oh, yes, yes. So, again, worthwhile exploring these little towns. But there's a little statue outside there of a donkey, and he's on like a treadmill. You know when you when the, the donkey gets harnessed onto the circular thing? So, and yeah. the poor donkey, you can see the, the statue is so well made. It is this poor little donkey, and Afrikaans has got the best word. I might say, verlepte oore. You can yeah. sort of see the despair on this donkey <laughs> as he's now walking circles oh, around. Strange. And it's just, an, sort of, again, honor the hardworking yeah. donkey that we've got. Yeah. So th- those are two cool ones. And then, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe it's the right way to end the show or the wrong way to end the show, but there's one, and I still think it's probably the most horrendous memorial and statue that we've got in South Africa um, and it's just outside the the, the the Punda Maria gate of Kruger now Kruger Park has got to be one of the best and nicest spots that we've got in the entire country that's heaven on earth to go into Kruger yeah. but just outside the Punda Maria gate is a statue called the Rhino Sculpture Okay. and it's to try and bring awareness of the rhino poaching and the scourge of rhino poaching that's happening yes, all yes. over Southern Africa right now. And Kruger has been particularly hard hit. Um, yeah, Kruger's got 500 kilometers or something of border with Mozambique. 
And that's just wilderness. So it's not hard to walk from Moz into Kruger. And it's almost impossible to patrol those areas. I take my hats off to the guys that do the, the canine patrols and helicopters and microlights and anti-poaching patrols yeah. along, along, that, uh, along that Kruger borderline with Mozambique. But there's a statue there outside the gate. It's called the Rhino Statue. And it's three rhinos together. There's Rhino 1 who's standing there. Rhino 2 is a little rhino calf. And Rhino 3 is a rhino that's been killed but the horn's been cut off so oh. the statue has got like blood on it and there's raw it's a, it's a horrendous statue obviously it's oh. a talking point yeah and it yeah. Bring, really brings it home but you sort of wonder statues are supposed to again statues memorials are supposed to evoke some kind of emotion or some kind of response or some kind yeah, of yeah. that's what it's there for and i think this is one and this one definitely does it but you, yeah. you do question if that's exactly the right way to, <laughs> yeah. to really do and, yeah. and, and bring that in. Yeah, we were busy uh, a while ago with uh, Sia, the rhino. I don't know if you've heard of her. But uh, they also cut off her horns. But the one, the, the front horn was cut so deep you can see into her nasal yeah, cavity. Uh, that, that rhino poaching is something else. And uh, they pulled her through and, uh, yeah, they, uh, they moved her. So she, she pulled through. So yeah. yeah, that was a success story. Yeah, with that I think one. I think I think sentences on rhino poaching and poachers should be a lot harsher than they are. They need to. Yeah, it needs, it needs it's got to stop. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, we run out of time once again. And uh, yeah, uh, but uh, thank you for coming in again and uh, sharing all your experiences and all your knowledge with everyone. And I hope everyone enjoys it. And uh, yeah. Uh, next week we are back also Wednesday between 1 and 2 uh, the road trip show with Diedrich and uh, yeah thank you for everyone that listened in today and uh, see you next time awesome Deva thanks again we see you next week again